Welcome to the Presentation Boss Podcast. I'm Kate Norris. I'm Thomas Craft. And we're here to help you plan, design, and deliver your best presentation. It's the Presentation Boss Podcast, episode number 82. Today we're doing another speech breakdown. Today we're taking a look at a talk that we've made reference to a couple of times in a few recent episodes and gets sort of suggested to us from time to time. And honestly, I think this is touted as one of the great performances of all time. Unfortunately, it's an 80-minute keynote. Plus our 35-minute breakdown, so strap yourselves in for two and a half hours. (laughs) My (laughs) goodness. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're just doing the first 15 minutes. I'll put a link to the full thing down in the show notes. So if you're like super dedicated to the cause, you can go and check out the full thing. But what we're looking at today is the famous launch of the iPhone by Steve Jobs. So before we launch in, a reminder about our Patreon. If you really like the content that we're producing here, uh, we put a little bit of extra content over on our Patreon. So if you head over there and would like to support us, you can do that and it helps us to continue bringing you more of the good stuff. So head to patreon.com forward slash presentation boss. The reason we do speech breakdowns is to look at other speakers, look at what they really excel at and look at what they do that we wouldn't necessarily recommend. So we'll play the talk, we'll pause, we'll make comment, but let's get stuck into Steve Jobs at Macworld 2007 introducing the iPhone. Just the first 15 minutes. (laughs) This is a day I've been looking forward to for two and a half years. Okay, he's literally one sentence in and I've stopped. (laughs) (laughs) And the audience is cheering. (laughs) This opening, this is a day I've been looking forward to for two and a half years. You have to have some serious clout for that to be effective. If you're a normal person who is not necessarily recognized, I would not recommend this as a big opening. This is not an interesting opening for a standard person. But if you are Steve Jobs, he is known for having big announcements and for things to be happening in the background. People know that if he's been looking forward to, then it's probably something worth looking forward to. So I think the danger here is that we can say something like, I've been really looking forward to this for two years, and it's actually not that effective. But you can hear from the applause that he gets. Which is a room full of a few thousand Apple enthusiasts. That this is effective. It's almost a bit of a paradox. Huh. Because I think that opening is effective for most people. I really like the idea that somebody would come out onto a stage and be like, I've been looking forward to this opportunity or forward to this idea or forward to talking about this idea or forward to giving this presentation for two and a half years. I think for anybody to be excited about something for two and a half years means we're probably going to hear something that is pretty passionate and maybe energetic. There you go. Every once in a while, a revolutionary product comes along that changes everything. And Apple has been, well, first of all, one's very fortunate if you get to work on just one of these in your career. Apple's been very fortunate. Sometimes we get the question, what happens if you make a stuff up in a presentation? And I think we just heard a slight stuff up where he said, Apple has actually, one is very fortunate. So I think he recognized there was an, he made an error there, whether he jumped ahead or he added a bit that had been edited out, whatever it is. Instead of making a deal about it, just made the correction and carried on with, with what needed to be talked about. The other lesson there, I think, is it's okay to make a mistake. It's just how you handle it. If Steve Jobs can do it at Macworld 2007 and recover, it's totally fine. Yeah. 
You can probably do it at September quarterly update. <laughs> Apple's been very fortunate. It's been able to introduce a few of these into the world. In 1984, we introduced the Macintosh. It didn't just change Apple. It changed the whole computer industry. In 2001, we introduced the first iPod. And it didn't just, it didn't just change the way we all listen to music. It changed the entire music industry. Well, today, we're introducing three revolutionary products of this class. I think we have to look at this presentation uh, for what it is, which is the launch of a product. So there's a lot of techniques here that probably aren't particularly useful if you're not in some sort of persuasive mode, launch mode, sales mode of a presentation. But what he's just done here, which is in this year, we introduced a product and it changed the industry. In this other year, we introduced a product and it changed the industry. Today, we're introducing three new products. So the logical flow there in the audience is, and it's probably going to change whatever that industry is that mm. we're talking about. So it's really clever that we've had a look at the past and the track record that he slash the company has and how that's translating into what we're about to hear now. This is building, I believe, a bit of excitement, but certainly expectation. Revolutionary products of this class. The first one is a widescreen iPod with touch controls. The second is a revolutionary mobile phone. And the third is a breakthrough internet communications device. So, three things. I have a question for you, Kate. That list of the iPod, the phone, and the internet communicator. Do you think that was presented in the right order? No, the internet one should have been first because it's the most boring. Listen to the audience response, right? The internet communicator people were like, yeah, that seems all right. The iPod got probably the second latest cheer. The phone, that was the exciting one. I think that one should have been last as the crescendo, right? Should have been internet communicator, iPod, phone. Huh. So... Three things, a widescreen iPod with touch controls, a revolutionary mobile phone, and a breakthrough internet communications device. An iPod, a phone, and an internet communicator. An iPod, a phone. Are you getting it? These are not three separate devices. This moment where he introduces the three new items and it sort of becomes the one and he allows the audience to make that discovery. It's not just told, 
He allows the audience to make that discovery, the use of the repetition and the visuals, I think is such an iconic moment in presentations, the way that these last 30 seconds were put together and delivered. The visuals that are used are exceptionally simple, really fits that Apple brand, the minimalist Mm. sort of look. And we saw that here too. So those three icons for the three, the iPod, the internet communicator and the phone sort of come together in a little cube and it moves around as he's talking. It really adds to the presentation, adds that visual element around, I'm talking about one device. That's why you hear people start to get it. These are not three separate devices. This is one device. And we are calling it iPhone. Today, Today, Apple is going to reinvent the phone. And here it is. (laughs) No. Actually, here it is, but we're going to leave it there for now. So, before we get into it, let me... uh, Let me talk about a category of things. The most advanced phones are called smartphones, so they say. And uh, they typically combine a phone plus some email capability, plus they say it's the internet, sort of the baby internet into one device. And they all have these plastic little keyboards on them. Uh, And uh, the problem is that they're not so smart and they're not so easy to use. So if you kind of make a you know, business school 101 graph of the smart axis and the easy to use axis. Phones, regular cell phones are kind of right there. They're not so smart and they're, you know, not so easy to use. Um, But smartphones are definitely a little smarter, but they actually are harder to use. They're really complicated. Just for the basic stuff, people have a hard time figuring out how to use them. Well, we don't want to do either one of these things. What we want to do is make a leapfrog product that is way smarter than any mobile device has ever been and super easy to use. This is what iPhone is, okay? So, we're gonna reinvent the phone. Now, we're gonna start with a revolutionary user interface. Is the result of years of research and development And, of course, it's an interplay of hardware and software. Now, why do we need a revolutionary user interface? I mean, here's four smartphones, right? Motorola Q, the Blackberry, Palm Treo, Nokia E62, the usual suspects. And really quickly here, he's talking about these four existing products, which all look like a Blackberry or a Palm Pilot thing to me. There's a decision to be made here. One is you could have one of each of those items and physically have it and hold it up. Or, as Steve Jobs has done, he's got them huge on the screen behind him because the audience is massive and they need to be able to see them. So I think if you've got a much smaller audience, if you had physical props, could be more powerful. If you've got this really big audience, displaying them really big is far better. You know what else he's done here? They're in black and white, or in grayscale rather. They are really boring, really bland. Look, my guess, because I haven't actually seen this, because <laughs> of course, <laughs> as is the as is the trend. 
My guess is that the iPhone is going to be colorful and bright and super contrasty to this grayscale of the competitors. Nokia E62, the usual suspects. And what's wrong with their user interfaces? Well, the problem with them is really sort of in the bottom 40 there. It's, it's this stuff right here. They all have these keyboards that are there whether you need them or not to be there. And they all have these control buttons that are fixed in plastic and are the same for every application. Well, every application wants a slightly different user interface, a slightly optimized set of buttons just for it. And what happens if you think of a great idea six months from now? You can't run around and add a button to these things. They're already shipped. So what do you do? It doesn't work because the buttons and the controls can't change. They can't change for each application, and they can't change down the road if you think of another great idea you want to add to this product. Well, how do you solve this? Hmm. It turns out we have solved it. We solved it in computers 20 years ago. We solved it with a bitmap screen that could display anything we want, put any user interface up, and a pointing device. We solved it with the mouse, right? We solved this problem. So how are we going to take this to a mobile device? But what we're going to do is get rid of all these buttons and just make a giant screen. A giant screen. Now, how are we going to communicate this? We don't want to carry around a mouse, right? So what are we going to do? Oh, a stylus, right? We're going to use a stylus. No. No. Who wants a stylus? You have to get them and put them away and you lose them. Yuck. Nobody wants a stylus. So let's not use a stylus. We're going to use the best pointing device in the world. We're going to use a pointing device that we're all born with. We're born with 10 of them. We're going to use our fingers. We're going to touch this with our fingers. And we have invented a new technology called multi-touch, which is phenomenal. It works like magic. You don't need a stylus. It's far more accurate than any touch display that's ever been shipped. It ignores unintended touches. It's super smart. You can do multi-finger gestures on it. And boy, have we patented it. So, so we've been very lucky. Something I really appreciate with this entire talk is there is a lot of technical business going on with the iPhone. I'm sure of that. Like, I'm sure there's a really long story as to how they made this touchscreen work the way that it does. But the way that it's delivered is super simple. It just says, it works like magic. It's accurate, it ignores unintended touches. It very much speaks to how it's going to work in the hands of the user. Mm. I think it instills confidence in the mind of the audience that this thing just works and it's good. Mm. He's using the technique that was identified by Nancy Duarte, and I think she specifically analyzed this speech, which is huge contrast. It's this is what's wrong, the big problems of the world. This is how we're going to solve it. And it's this constant switch between like, oh, all the bad stuff. This is our solution. Back and forth, like really low, really high, really low, really high. It's the same technique that was used in the Martin Luther King, I have a dream. It was, this is the problem of the world. This is how we're going to solve it. This is my dream. That Again, that contrast back and forward, back and forward. 
And just that last sentence, he could have easily said, and it's patent and technology to Apple. Yeah. Boring. is like, you better believe we patented the crap out of it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> adds in that just point of humor, keeping the, the energy alive in the presentation. Hmm. We've been very lucky to have brought a few revolutionary user interfaces to the market in our time. First was the mouse. The second was the click wheel. And now we're going to bring multi-touch to the market. And each of these revolutionary user interfaces has made possible a revolutionary product. The Mac, the iPod, and now the iPhone. So a revolutionary user interface. We're going to build on top of that with software. Now, software on mobile phones is like, it's like baby software. It's not so powerful. And today, we're going to show you a software breakthrough. Because he said, oh, software on phones today is like, oh, it's like baby software. I feel like there was a missed opportunity for a metaphor like, software on a phone is like blinkers on a BMW. <laughs> like, just useless. You know, I, th I think there was an opportunity. <laughs> I probably wouldn't recommend to Steve Jobs to slam an entire automotive. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. Um, the use of metaphor is... <laughs> Brakes on a Volvo. What? I don't know. An accelerator in my parents' Camry. Uh <laughs> and today, we're going to show you a software breakthrough. Software that's at least five years ahead of what's on any other phone. Now, how do we do this? Well, we start with a strong foundation. iPhone runs OS X. Yeah. Now, why, why would we want to run such a sophisticated operating system on a mobile device? Well, because it's got everything we need. It's got multitasking. It's got the best networking. It already knows how to power manage. We've been doing this on mobile computers for years. It's got awesome security. And to write apps, it's got everything from Coco and the graphics, and it's got core animation built in, and it's got the audio and video that OS X is famous for. It's got all the stuff we want, and it's built right in to iPhone. And that has let us create desktop class applications and networking, right? Not the crippled stuff that you find on most phones. This is real desktop class applications. Now, you know, one of the pioneers of our industry, Alan Kay, has had a lot of great quotes throughout the years. And I ran across one of them recently that explains how we look at this, explains why we go about doing things the way we do, because we love software. And here's the quote. People who are really serious about software should make their own hardware. You know? Alan said this 30 years ago. And this is how we feel about it. And so we're bringing breakthrough software to a mobile device for the first time. It's five years ahead of anything on any other phone. The second thing we're doing is we're learning from the iPod, syncing with iTunes. You know, we're going to ship our 100 millionth iPod this year, and that's tens of millions of people that know how to sync these devices with their PCs or Mac and sync all of their media right onto their iPod. 
I like the way he's introduced the ethos, so the credibility of what it is he's doing. I mean, obviously, by this stage, the people in the audience know that Apple are doing the right thing. But just that comment, we're going to ship our 100 millionth iPod, and we've made we've learned these things from that. To somebody like me that says, you have a huge amount of data around the products and the users and how this thing is used that's going to make this new product better for me. Mm. I think that was just delivered in a non-bragging way exactly when it was needed. Well, it was simply giving examples rather than just saying that they were good. Yeah. And sync all of their media right onto their iPod, right? So you just drop your iPod in and it automatically syncs. You're going to do the same thing with iPhone. It automatically syncs to your PC or Mac right through iTunes. And iTunes is going to sync all your media onto your iPhone, your music, your audiobooks, podcasts, movies, TV shows, music videos, but it also syncs a ton of data. Your contacts, your calendars, and your photos, which you can get on your iPod today, your notes, your, your bookmarks from your web browser, your email accounts, your whole email setup, all that stuff can be moved over to iPhone completely automatically. It's really nice. And we do it, we do it through iTunes. Again, you go to iTunes and you set it up, just like you'd set up an iPod or an Apple TV. And you set up what you want synced to your iPhone. And it's just like an iPod. Charge and sync. So sync with iTunes. I love that sentence. It's just like an iPod. The people in the audience know how to use that thing. And this, this segment, that's basically saying everything will just be synchronized, automatically, easy. Again, it's not getting stuck in the technical details of you know, gigabits per second or the connectors or any of that technical jargon that I think could have been really easy to get bogged down into. It's literally just saying, this is going to be good and easy. It's removing the fear because with technology always comes fear of not knowing how to use it or it being complex, all that sort of stuff. And this just goes so far to just quell that fear. I think it's really removing the iPhone from those existing products that, like you said, he had made to sound difficult and not smart, I think he said. Yeah. So sync with iTunes. Third thing I want to talk about a little is design. We've designed something wonderful for your hand. Just wonderful. And this is what it looks like. It's got a three and a half inch screen on it. It's really big. And it's the highest resolution screen we've ever shipped. It's 160 pixels per inch. Highest we've ever shipped. It's gorgeous. And on the front, there's only one button down there. We call it the home button. It takes you home from wherever you are. And that's it. Let's take a look at the side. It's really thin. It's thinner than any smartphone out there at 11.6 millimeters. Thinner than the Q, thinner than the Blackjack, thinner than all of them. It's really nice. And we've got some controls on the side. We've got a little switch for ring and silent. We've got a volume up and down control. Let's look at the back. On the back, the biggest thing of note is we've got a 2 megapixel camera built right in. The other side, and we're back on the front. So let's take a look at the top now. We've got a headset jack, 3.5 millimeter. All your iPod headphones fit right in. We've got a place, a little tray for your SIM card. And we've got one switch for sleep and wake. Just push it to go to sleep, push it to wake up. Let's take a look at the bottom. We've got a speaker. We've got a microphone. 
and we've got our 30-pin iPod connector. So that's the bottom. Now, we've also got some stuff you can't see. We've got three really advanced sensors built into this phone. The first one is a proximity sensor. It senses when physical objects get close. So when you bring iPhone up to your ear to take a phone call, it turns off the display and it turns off the touch sensor instantly. Well, why do you want to do that? Well, one, to save battery, but two, so you don't get spurious inputs from your face into the touch screen. Just automatically turns them off, take it away, boom, it's back on. Anybody in sales and marketing will know what it's like to overcome objections before they even happen. There it is. At some point, somebody was probably going to work out that it has a touch screen and I'm going to have to take it to my face. How do I know my ears not like pushing buttons and deleting stuff? It's not a problem anymore because it's just explained that away beforehand. Automatically turns them off, take it away, boom, it's back on. So it's got a proximity sensor built in. It's got an ambient light sensor as well. We sense the ambient lighting conditions and adjust the brightness of the display to match the ambient lighting conditions. Again, better user experience saves power. And the third thing we've got is an accelerometer so that we can tell when you switch from portrait to landscape. It's pretty cool. I'll show it to you in a minute. So three advanced sensors built in. So let's go ahead and turn it on. This is the size of it. It fits beautifully in the palm of your hand. So an iPod, a phone, and an internet communicator. Let's start with the iPod. You can touch your music. You can just touch your music. It's so cool. You've got a widescreen video. You can find your music even faster. Gorgeous album art on this display. Built-in speaker. And why not? Cover flow. First time ever on an iPod. And so rather than talk about this some more, let me show it to you. All right, we're going to pause it there. We're 15 minutes in, and from here on in the presentation, basically he does a lot of demonstrations with the phone. He's got like an overhead camera looking at his hand with the phone. It's got like a visual output straight up to the projector. We don't need to go through the, <laughs> the, the details of the iPod and the... How a smartphone works. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I think we've worked that out by 2020. Anyway, what did you think, Kate? Yeah, I really like it. I think I really like exactly what I said just earlier, the contrast. I love the like, this is the problem. This is the solution. This is the problem. This is the solution. I really like that technique. What I really like about it, and this kind of is the Steve Jobs and Apple brand, is the simplicity of it. I think I can't help but think about what is not said. Like there is a lot of technical stuff that's not said. It is very focused on how does this affect the consumer? How does this affect the audience? The visuals are super clean and tidy. The visuals look like yours. Like I can totally see where you get your inspiration from. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we both made comments sort of while this was playing about how slowly Steve Jobs speaks. And the way I interpret that is it's deliberate and confident. And I think maybe uh, watching this after the fact, at times it, all, it is almost painfully slow. I think mm. in the audience, going at that pace builds the anticipation. It kind of draws it out that little bit longer. The confidence that comes with not rushing about looking in control, about looking calm, really carries across and shows confidence in the product or the, the topic that the, the presenter is talking about. Yeah, so I think there are overall thoughts, but what about... Uh, let's do what we saw first. What'd you see? I really want to talk about something we have not seen. 
So where we've paused it, he's doing the demo of the iPhone. And I think there is so much more power in demonstrating the object, having it as a physical prop than the alternative, which could be to show slides of it. As far as what we have seen now, I think there's, again, nothing unremarkable. We've got Steve Jobs in his usual uniform of the long sleeve shirt and his jeans. He walks around the stage a lot and it is a big stage. He walks around, it's not pacing, it's not back and forth. It seems quite casual in nature. I think, again, adding to that, that confidence and that calmness of his delivery. This is one of those presentations that sets people up for failure because it looks like he's wandering around the stage. Everything that he is doing is not spur of the moment, is not just Mm. happening. This is not him being authentic and real and just winging it. This is so deliberate, but it has been so practiced that it looks real. He makes it look easy. He makes it look beautiful. He makes it look so natural, but it's not just happening. He's got, he's got the brand of what would become one of the world's biggest companies mm. on the line here, right? Which it needs to look confident. It needs to look... It needs to look like he's not trying. Yeah, it needs to look clean, right? And so I think like Steve Jobs is the CEO and it's easy to look at him like that. He's also the face of the company. There's been a lot of work go into getting this presentation right. It is not the first time he's delivered this presentation. Yep. What about Kate? What was the message you got from this presentation? This will revolutionize an industry. Did you get something different? Yeah, I think slightly different, though I can totally see yours. There's probably a couple of messages here in a tide when we're only, you know, a quarter of the way through the presentation. What I'm hearing here is that Apple has a product that will revolutionize the phone. Yeah, interesting, because he was talking about the industries that they have already revolutionized with their other products, computer and music. And then this is an entire industry. Again, it's not just the phone. So that's why our mind is a bit wider, I think. Yeah, yeah. Although I guess sitting in 2020, we can see the iPhone revolutionized both the industry and the product as we know it as well, right? And the internet and oh, a million things, yeah. <laughs> All the things. Look, I think it's quite obvious why this is one of the presentations that's held up as like iconic and good and a bit of a benchmark of what is a really good presentation. And I honestly think it is worth, if you've got the time, go and watch the full talk, see the visuals, how he operates on stage, see the rest of this presentation, including he has a tech failure a little bit later on. And the way he manages that, I think, is just professional and expert. Yeah, yeah. So that was Steve Jobs in 2007 at Macworld with the launch of the iPhone 1. If you'd like to discuss this episode or let us know of some things that you also saw or just continue the conversation, a reminder, we do have our Facebook group, search for Presentation Bosses, or as always, there is a link down below. There's actually, there's a link down below to the Facebook group, to this talk, and to our Patreon if you'd like to support us there. Otherwise, thank you very much for listening into this speech breakdown. Really hope you've enjoyed it. We've had good fun. Hey, Kate. Yeah. And we will be back in your ears again next week. Stay safe, bosses. Thanks for listening to today's show. Head to presentationboss.com.au slash podcast where you'll find the show notes for this episode, all other episodes and other free resources. If you've seen a speech you'd like us to break down on the show, flick us the link at podcast at presentationboss.com.au. Most importantly, we rely on you to share the information in this podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please recommend us to a friend or we'd love for you to give us a review on iTunes. It helps more people find us. Have a great week. Oh, it's just like people are going.
going nuts? And I'm like, it's not that cool. Well, not in 2020. I think in 2007 oh, yeah, yeah, when you're yeah. an Apple enthusiast and, oh my God, they've released a phone. iPhone 1? God, I've got the 12. No, you don't. You have a Google Pixel, you great trader. I have a broken Pixel. <laughs> 